Welcome to another epic episode of Stock Talk. My name is Amin Reina and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And as an investment coach, what I do is I help new and experienced investors who want to become more financially secure but end up feeling confused and intimidated by this whole investing concept. Uh, a lot of times people don't know where to start where it comes to, when it comes to investing or they've been investing for a while and just don't seem to be making enough progress uh, in their portfolio. So what I do as an investment coach is I teach people and I engage with people on how to make uh, more successful, uh, educated investment decisions so they can achieve a certain level of financial freedom in their lives and achieve that financial freedom with, with confidence. So this is Stock Talk. This is my little uh, podcast slash video that I uh, kind of put together. Uh, where we talk about all things investing and where I share with you my own personal observations about what's going on in the stock market and the whole investing domain and also share with you some of my own decision making uh, that I do uh, with my own investments and with the hope that not necessarily you follow exactly what I'm doing but that you understand a little bit about the thought process that I'm using to make investment decisions and hopefully you can take some of that away with you and apply to and apply to your own um, personal investment decisions. So this is episode 77 and today um, it's, it's viewer mail day. Uh, one of the things I've been doing uh, since I've gone to this sort of more podcasty kind of format with, with Stock Talk is uh, I get a better sense of what people like and what people don't like. And since I've been doing this more, you know, gone more more podcasty, um, I've seen the, the the episodes that people really are interested in are one of the top episodes that I've done was the one I did uh, a little while back on viewer mail, where I basically just answer spe investment specific questions from from people out there who have. Who have sent me stuff and have asked me stuff, and I just basically share what I've uh, my answers that I've uh, shared with other people. And again, with the whole prospect that there's something here that you can take away and learn from and apply into your own investing uh, circumstances. So again, I got another, I got a, a few questions here uh, that I like to share with you uh, that have been asked, and I thought I'd uh, you know give you my take on on some of them. So we'll just go through. I got my got my notes here. So let's just not waste any time. Let's just get down to it. Okay, so the first question I'm going to ask here, let's start with a little bit, like a shorter kind of answer, is what is the SEC 10K report? Now, <clears throat> in terms of investing, one of the kind of information sources that we will rely on, especially when it comes to when we're looking at investing in individual stocks, is the company's annual report. You know, once a year, um, at the end of the company's fiscal year, they'll issue uh, in uh, what their annual report, which will summarize their financial performance of the year, um, talk about some of the accomplishments that the company has done throughout the year, through the, throughout the past year, uh, talk about their management, will talk about what they're seeing going on with the company and how the company is going to evolve. It's usually done when we, you know, we're in an electronic world now. Most, it traditionally used to be done and, you know, you'd actually get a paper, you know, uh, you know, an actual report. Uh, a document and it was really nice glossy cover pages it's really nice expensive paper um, really slick slick laid out and everything and that's really ultimately the the annual report now when you become a publicly traded company you have to file reports you have to file documents with the especially in the United States with the Security and Exchange Commission in Canada it is the CDAR group um, they're the Canadian regulatory body where you have to disclose uh, 
provide financial information on a quarterly, on a material basis. When stuff, important stuff happens, companies, publicly traded companies have to disclose this information. So in the US, the, what companies have to do file once a year is kind of with the SEC is their, essentially their annual report. And the way that report is called is called the 10K. So if you're looking for information, you see, oh, here's the, S here's the 10K report for Microsoft. That, what that's saying is that is the annual, uh, annual financial report um, that, of Microsoft. And in that report contains a lot of different kinds of information, specifically the annual uh, financial results. So like you'll have the income statement, balance sheet, uh, statement of cash flows, statement of changes of financial position. And you'll have a whole bunch of other types of metrics, operational kind of um, metrics uh, involving the company. So that's one aspect is the financials. And you're gonna get those financials on an annualized basis. And sometimes they will also break it down by segments. So you can see how the different segments of the business, different divisions, product categories are doing. You'll get that kind of granularity uh, in, the, in the 10K report. You may not necessarily get in the company's uh, annual report to the shareholders, but in the 10K report, you might get that granularity. Cool thing also you'll get in the 10K report is you'll get a real insight into uh, the business plan of the company in terms of what is their business, what do they do, um, what are the components of the business, what is the management structure, uh, how is that management structure uh, compensated. Um, you get a really a lot of great insights into the company. So if you're analyzing individual stocks, a lot of times a real good go-to place for really understanding a business is the 10K report. Um, so a lot of times what I do is I always go to that 10K report when I'm especially when I'm looking at the American companies. And also when I'm analyzing Canadian companies that are listed also, uh, that, that are based up here in Canada, but are listed also, they trade in the US, um, they have to file a 10K report in the US too. So a lot of times you'll get some information in the 10K report that you may not get up here in Canada when they file their annual report with, uh, with CEDAR. So it's a really interesting um, and a really good go-to reference um, for uh, for financial information. A lot of times that information on the annual report is also audited. There's an audit, um, so, so you can have a reasonable element of, of confidence that the numbers that they're presenting are pretty good, pretty solid numbers. And you get a lot more depth and uh, granularity in terms of understanding the business. Understanding the strategy, sometimes they'll talk about strategies, that the, the business strategies, they'll share some of those business strategies uh, a little bit in more depth. So it's definitely a good word read. Thing about the, the 10K report, it's huge. It's a huge report. It can be like hundreds of pages long. So you gotta kind of, you know, if, if you want some good bedtime reading, 10K report is a great one, but it's definitely a go-to uh, resource for, for those who want to analyze and are looking to invest in individual stocks and individual companies, 10K reports. 10, when you see 10K, it's basically the annual report for the company. So that's one, so that's a question. Um, <clears throat> second question uh, is, uh, what are the fundamental skills for investing in stocks? Now, this is a great question. Because it kind of feeds into essentially what I do as, as an investment coach is I want to help people make better investment decisions at the core of it. From my experience, uh, the people that are really good at investing, who are really successful and make you know, more successful investment decisions than unsuccessful investment decisions and have ability to manage that better, um, they have three really core competencies and core competencies, skills, what have you. The first core competency uh, is education. They are financially literate 
in terms of understanding the mechanics of, of buying and selling stocks or ETFs or mutual funds or t different types of investment products. And also they have a good literacy and an understanding of the behavioral aspects of investing because we don't hear that a lot about. People go take courses and stuff and teach courses on investing. I teach courses on investing that talk a lot about the mechanical side, but there's also that behavior com component because a lot of times the reason that's gonna separate great investors from run-of-the-mill investors is they're in touch with their emotions and they stay very disciplined. And there's all kinds of um, behavioral biases out there that we all have, that we all inherit, that can really cloud our judgment and impact our ability to make good investment decisions. So that's the other element. Now, when I talk about education, it doesn't, what I'm talking about is that you have to go out and do your MBA or get a CFA or have a PhD to be a great investor. You have to go to some like high level university or some high level financial uh, academic institution to become a great investor. Far from it. That's really more the industry talking to you than the realities of investing. Because one of the things I really feel strongly about, and this is just my experience, is I really believe, and as much as people will you know, at face level will not believe it. I think investing is intuitively simple. I think there's some basic principles you need to be aware of in terms of how companies operate, how businesses operate. And if you understand those principles and understand how to analyze companies based on leveraging these principles, you will know more than I sort of got 80% of the people on Wall Street. And so that's what I do as part of as part of as an investment coach is I teach people. I teach people the mechanics and the behavioral sides of making investment decisions. So that's one element to it. Second element, second competency that great investors have is they're engaged in the process. Now, even if it's somebody who's investing by themselves as a do-it-yourself investor or somebody who has somebody else manage, managing their money for them, common trait is they are very much hands-on. They're very much engaged in the product. They know at all times what is going on with their portfolio. They know what is going on with their money, how their money is being managed, what decisions are being made. They know, they're very on top of it. And if you actually, if you've read the book, The Millionaire Next Door, one of the, that book, you know, backed up by a lot more data behind it, talked about how engaged um, these next door, run of the mill, unassuming people who are millionaires was that they were on top of their investments. They were on top of their money, what their money was doing constantly, religiously. So engagement is a corporate, is an important factor. And the reason why I also bring up engagement, why it's such an important factor is, it's just the nature of investing. A lot of times, reason why we hate investing or really couldn't be bothered with doing investing or investing is, we just simply don't practice it enough. We don't, we're not go looking at companies, we're not analyzing you know, ETFs, we're not evaluating the markets as a whole, we're not, we're not doing any of that stuff. We're kind of just sort of with one eye looking out somewhere else and kind of making a decision by, by it. We look to our friends, our peer network, our support network to filter us, feed us um, decisions we could take, stock tips, stuff like that. And engagement is a really important competency to have to be a good investor because uh, there's a lot of studies that have shown, there's a, a book like Richard Taylor who is kind of the godfather of behavioral economics, one of the godfathers or god, you know, creators of, of, of the whole discipline of behavioral economics, behavioral finance, s said once that in order to be good at something, in order to have, get experience in doing something, you need two components. You need to practice it, you need to practice the skill, and then you need to get immediate feedback. And so the cool thing with what people, when you bring it into investing, is we just don't practice it enough. Most people just don't practice, are not engaged in the whole act of 
figuring out what investments are good and how to make decisions. And so, and then on top of that, the feedback we only get, the feedback loop a lot of times is in the form of a financial statement, which we see maybe four times a year. We may talk, if we're working with an advisor, we, how many times are we talking with an advisor? Maybe once a year, and it's usually kind of a cookie cutter conversation. Um, not a lot of back and forth. It's just sort of like, okay, here's how your portfolio is doing. Thanks, we'll see you in a year. There's not enough of that engagement. And the, the key point here is to get really good and become really experienced and really develop a, a skill in anything, you need to practice it. Practice makes perfect, right? Um, practice with investing, uh, going through the iterative process of analyzing companies, evaluating companies, evaluating investment products, taking action and seeing how they pan out and taking action on those things is a critical skill to have. And again, that's, so that's another element to me uh, that separates successful investors from run-of-the-mill investors. Engagement, an important part. The third competency or third skill set that great investors have kind of is a product of, of education and engagement, and that's empowerment. Great investors who are educated, who have a, a basic literacy of, of, of how companies create wealth, how to evaluate, analyze stocks and other investment products, and are engaged constantly in that process, are much more confident. When they make investment decisions, they make them with confidence because they've done the due diligence, they've incorporated a framework, they've incorporated an investment plan and investment ideology that they stick to, that they don't let emotions get in the way of it, and they don't deviate from it, you get confidence. And when you make confidence, you're gonna, chances are you're gonna make better investment decisions. So competent empowerment is, is, is just another uh, critical competency and skill set that you need to have to become a really good investor. So that's what I do as an investment coach, is I, that's what I do. I help people develop these competencies, and ultimately the people that I work with um, it's amazing as an investment coach, people that I've worked that don't have these competencies come aboard and I kind of help them out, give them a little bit of framework, that education piece, that engagement piece, because I'm in their face practicing it with them, and then also ultimately giving them the confidence that you can do this. There's no, don't, don't tell me what somebody on Wall Street says. You can do this. This is intuitively not hard. When you bring these elements, I've seen people who know nothing and then I see them where they are right now. It's amazing. It's amazing. And they really... You know, they didn't have to like go through some crazy uh, boot camp to figure it out. It, it, this takes time. It takes practice. You have to practice. You have to engage, and you have to build up your competence, uh, your education competencies. And it's not just something you do once. You're always refining and always doing. It. Like I'm learning stuff every day. And if you read my blogs and you read my, um, you know, anything I do on Twitter and stuff, you'll see I'm always constantly learning and I'm always constantly refining how I go about making investment decisions because things happen things change. So hopefully that answers your question. As I said, if you want some more information about this whole, um, these skill sets and what I do as a coach, you can hit me on my website, sageinvestors.ca. You can talk about my coaching program. If you're thinking of just starting, uh, if you're just kind of that person who's just like, you know what, I need to start investing, give me a shout and I can talk to you about some uh, interesting programs that I'm actually developing right now and I'm hoping to roll out in the next, not too far distance, uh, for people who are looking to start investing and to get on a right, proper path for them to make really great investment decisions and to be successful in investing. So stay tuned for that. You can just hit me through, if you wanna hit me through, uh, through my website, email me through my website. Um, I'm more than happy to chat with you on that. So let's get down, what's the next question? Okay. Is another question I get quite a bit too, is, and it relates to stocks. Um, how does investing in stocks work? 
Interesting question. It's very, it's a, it's such a simple, short question, but it's such a powerful question. It's just like, how does this invest? Like, how, like, stock? Like, what is this? What's this all about? I know I need to do it. But how do I, like, how do I, how do I wrap my head around stocks? Like, how do I, stock market? Like, what, like, what's going on here? Stocks go up. Apple went up. What do I do? Like, how, like, how do I, how do I, how does this all kind of fall into place? How do I figure this stuff out? Um, so I'm going to give you, because essentially I teach a course on this, and it's called about principles. It's the first module in my everyday investing series. Uh, it's called the Principles of Capitalism and Investing. kind of gives you that f- underlying framework of how companies um, come to be and how companies you know, use stocks and, and how stocks play a role in a business. So what I'm going to do is I'm kind of going to give you a really condensed version of it and kind of give you the key elements of it. And if you're interested, I really recommend you sign up for the course, for the whole program, the Everyday Investing Program, um, because this is what you're gonna learn. You're gonna learn this in a lot more detail and you're gonna practice it and you're gonna be pretty freaking confident implementing it after you're done with this course. So I'll give you the Coles Notes. Let me just give you the the Coles Notes version of, of how investing in stocks work. So to understand investing, to figure out how investing works, what investing is all about, you really gotta understand how companies, because when you buy stocks, stocks are pieces of paper that ultimately represent ownership in a company, and they also represent an entitlement to the future profits that a company can generate. It's a piece of paper, but behind it, stocks are companies, and their people, and their ideas. And so, to understand whether a stock is worth buying or a decision whether you want to sell a stock, you got to understand a little bit about how, how, how the business works. And not like go get an MBA to figure out how a business works. Just understand some principles and some principles. So, the key thing you got to understand here is every business, doesn't matter if it's uh, an Amazon or it's a Google or it's uh, Freeport McMoran or if it's uh, Telus. They all operate under the same premise, is that in order for these businesses to survive, they need capital. In order for ideas for companies to sell products and services to us, they need capital. And capital usually comes in different forms. It could be, you need people, so you need labor. You need equipment, maybe, to produce your product or service. And uh, those are kind of your big ones. And you need you know equipment, uh, you need a factory, you know, to build this place. You just don't build a factory, you know, unless you're selling a lemonade stand in the summer. You're going to need a building to do that. You need capital. And to pay for these things, you need money. So money, the purest form of capital is, is cash. And so cash is really the lifeblood of a business. So any company out there, in order to sustain itself, to be viable, to exist, needs cash. So when you're starting a business or you're a company, you know, been around forever, how do you get cash? How do you raise money? How do you finance your business? Well, there's two, I'm gonna keep it very simple. There's two ways you can finance your business. You can go to a bank and borrow money and say, hey, I got a really great business. It's generating a lot of money. It can generate a lot of profits. Can you lend me some money so I can you know, buy, a, buy a factory or buy some cars or hire some more people? And you give a business case and they lend you money. And the point of it is they lend you money, you pay them back, but you pay them back a little extra, which is called interest. That's one way you can raise money. The second way you can raise money is by selling parts, or if not all, a good chunk of the ownership of your business, <clears throat> and also the entitlement to any profits that are done. And that's done the traditional way is by issuing stocks, and stocks represent that ownership. So 
what a company will do if they decide, okay, I'm gonna, I'm willing to sell part of my business, part of my control of my business, and future profits and a part of my business, a percentage of that future profits, is they'll go to somebody like an investment banker, and what they'll do is they'll <clears throat> kind of design uh, a mechanism for them. They will go out and essentially raise that money. So if I need a million dollars to run my business and I'm willing to sell a million dollars, they will go out and sell and they'll do all the math and everything like that and figure it all out. They'll go out there and, and issue stock and go out there and try to find people who will invest in your business and they'll take a cut and take a fee in it and they will issue stock uh, to, to, to represent that ownership in that business. And that's usually that, the mechanism with the investment bank to raise money is called an IPO, that initial public offering. So they find, go out and find people who are willing to invest in your company. And so ultimately, after the, the people receive those, those shares, they can either hold on to it or they can go sell it. And that's where they're gonna go to the stock market. So that stuff you see on CNBC with the trading floor and all these people like we're throwing paper in and stuff like that and computers and everything like that, that's the stock market we know. But there's actually a more fancier name for that. It's called a secondary market. And that's where stocks, after they've been issued to, uh, by the company through the investment bank, they trade in the secondary market stocks. And so ultimately their price is determined by all different kinds of factors. There's you know, supply and demand. If there's a lot of stock out there and there's a lot of demand for it, stock price will go up and adjust accordingly. So part of it is a supply-demand equation. But a lot of it though, in when people are figuring out whether they want to buy or sell that stock, comes down to analyzing the business. And when a company analyzes, when you analyze a business, when you're looking at a stock that you wanna buy, you gotta look at it from a couple of different perspectives. You're actually basically trying to evaluate um, specifically the management of that company that's running that business, that's managing that scarce capital to see if they're doing a good job at it. So how can we figure out as investors if they're doing a good job? Well, we can ask some questions. And uh, there's really three core questions we can ask. First of all, we can ask um, the management, we can figure out management's ability. First is, do they demonstrate a, an ability to raise money? Can they go and if they need money to run the business, can they go out and get the money that they need to run the business? Can they set up the company in a way that can generate uh, cash flow and bring in cash flow so that they can invest in the business and develop new products and services and do that efficiently and do that? So we want to look at management's ability to raise uh, to to finance the business. Good management, good companies have really strong management that can do that. Second thing we want to do is to see what they're after they've raised all this money, either through stocks or going to the bank and borrowing money, what are they invested in? What do they do? They just leave it in the bank and collect dust on it and collect interest? Or what are they investing in? What kind of products and services are they developing? Is there a demand for those products and services? Are people buying that products and, products and services of that company? So we wanna look at their, their ability to look at the market and identify opportunities where they can bring in more cash, more cash flow. So that's one, that's the second element we wanna look at. And the third element is, is really the operational profitability size. Is, are they bringing in more money than they're spending? Because if they're creating profit, it means you're creating value. There's extra value in the company is increasing. And if the value of the company is increasing, then chances are the stock price. People are gonna wanna own a business where the company is being able to uh, generate profits, generate cash, because that means that company becomes more self-sustaining. And that's a company you wanna buy because then if it's gonna be more self-sustaining, then it's gonna be in business long enough 
And ultimately, you're as a shareholder, you want the company to be in business long enough so you can get access to those profits. And ultimately, people want to buy stocks that represent companies that are creating value, that are creating profits, are creating tangible wealth for the shareholders. So when you ask these three questions, this gives you a framework of determining whether you want to buy a stock or sell a stock. Because if management is not doing any of these three things, then chances are you're not going to buy that stock. Or if you're a shareholder and you're saying management isn't, you know, they're selling products that nobody wants, they're having a hard time, you know, raising cash, and they're not profitable. Why am I holding this stock? And that's when you would sell the stock. So those are the elements. And again, this is I'm giving you this, like literally a Coles Notes version of, how, of this of my first module uh, on investing. I go into a lot more depth and uh, I use a lot more tangible kind of examples. We walk through an example uh, in my everyday investing course that shows you these elements and shows you how to build this framework. Because when you're making investment decisions, this is what it is. It's a it's like riding a bike. Every company you're going to analyze, every stock you're going to analyze, you're going to be asking the same questions over and over again. And sometimes it might come really boring and very redundant and very repetitive, but that's investing. It's literally kind of like getting in a, in a, in a hamster wheel and just keep going, keep going, going on a treadmill, keep going, keep going, answering the same questions, getting the answers, determining if it makes sense and worth buying or selling, and you just keep going. So just wanted to share with you, I thought it was a really good question because it's so, it's, it sounds so simple. How does investing in stocks work? But it's it's simple. It's a very beautiful, elegant question. Uh, but you can see the the mechanics, the intricacies of, of figuring out at a, at a high level are not that hard. But you can see there's there's kind of a lot of moving parts going on in here. And that's what I kind of teach people uh, in my course is how to figure out those moving parts and how they all work together. And uh, it's really cool. It's something I really love to do. And so if you're interested in learning about my everyday investing course, you can go to my website, sageinvestors.ca, and there's a section here uh, on courses. You can see all the different courses uh, that I offer uh, on the everyday investing course and also the ETF course if you're interested in investing in ETFs. Different mindset, different thought process, but um, there's, a lot of print, there's a lot of nuggets uh, that kind of cross over from that perspective. So. That's all I got for you. I thought that's probably good. I thought that'd be good enough for today. I'll definitely be doing some more of these episodes uh, down the road because I've just the feedback that I'm getting and just looking at the traffic. Um, this is stuff people are really interested in. So asking questions. So if you have a question about something, about anything I'm uh, investing, about something you're doing or anything, and uh, feel free to shout. Send me an email. Um, you can go to my Twitter uh, account at uh, Sage Investors is my handle, and you can just drop direct message me. I'd be more than happy to uh, talk to you, uh, talk to you about you know anything you're looking at here in terms of investing, but also talk about some uh, coaching or any of the uh, courses that I offer and the services that I offer uh, that that I feel really strongly can help you achieve that level of uh, making better investment decisions and also achieving that level of financial uh, security that all of us are looking for. So that's that. Um, before I head off, just another announcement uh, for those. Um, about my webinar. As I said, I like to do, I'm doing this year, trying to do uh, some webinars this year on different types of investing topics. I've already done a couple this year. Um, I originally scheduled, my next one was gonna be scheduled for uh, May 25th at noon, talking about how to uh, demystifying ETFs, all things about ETFs. Uh, Fortunately, because of a family uh, commitment, uh, I had to reschedule it. So now the new date is now June 1st, 
2017 at 12 noon Eastern time, just for an hour. It's like a lunchtime thing. And I'm really excited about it because we're hearing so much about ETFs out there, how they're kind of like disrupting the whole investing industry and uh, how we're seeing really a, almost an epic shift now from people going away from the traditional mutual funds, owning individual stocks into ETF kind of products, investments. So a lot of people want to know what the hell does this mean? So in this webinar, I'm going to kind of give you a quick overview of what ETFs are, how they work, um, what's good about them. There's some, you know, there's, they can be really great products, but also what's important things you need to look out for. Because a lot of times what I read out there talks about the good stuff about ETFs. There's some issues that are also out there and you need to be aware of them. And so I'm going to share with you some of those things that you need to have in the back of your mind when you're kind of evaluating these things. I'm going to talk about different criteria that you can use to evaluate ETFs. And the part I'm really excited about is, uh, is the case study where I'm going to share with you uh, my own personal decision uh, that I had to make just recently on an, on an ETF that I was, a type of ETF I was looking to add to my portfolio and sort of my thought process, the process I went through to evaluate a bunch of ETFs to figure out which was the one that would be, the, that would work for my portfolio and I think would be more effective and perform well in my portfolio and help me make money. So I'm going to share that with you in this webinar. So if you're really interested, all you got to do is go to my website sageinvestors.ca there's a link there to the webinar just go in there i just need uh, just drop your name email boom you're in i'm going to send you a uh, confirm as well as the coordinates to log into the webinar and uh, then we're off to the races just a quick reminder also i have limited space in for the webinar so the sooner you can get in register as soon as you, you can secure yourself a, a, a virtual seat uh, for the webinar Really love to have you aboard. Uh, really love to share some stuff with you. Again, it's on June 1st at 12 noon Eastern Daylight Time. Probably going to be, yeah, Daylight Savings Time. Eastern Daylight Time. 12 noon Eastern Daylight Time. Mark it on your calendar. Demystifying ETFs. Love to hear it. Love to see you. And uh, love to share some stuff with you about ETFs. So that's all I got for you this week. Uh, hope, you're having, uh, hope you're having a good week. Hope you're making some great investment decisions. My name again, thanks for listening to Stock Talk. My name is uh, Amin Reina again from Sage Investors. Thank you, thank you, thank you for watching, especially the new folks who have just jumped on into the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Please stick around, please subscribe. Love to, love to hear from you and uh, it's all good. So have a great week and take care and cheers.